We know a little brewery called El Salto de Agua in Mexico City. In 1899, beer was brewed there. On this day, the German brewmaster in the brewery watches the sun rays creep over the brewing pot. This inspires him, and he names the beer El Sol. 112 years later, myself and English Gav decide to sod the sun, stay indoors and get drunk while watching Doctor Who. I think that's a better plan, don't you? It is, but can you emphasise in... 1899? There's no way to emphasise in, in in 1899. Should we call it off then? Yeah, let's just start. Yeah. Let's carry on. Um, yeah, so we're drinking Sol today, in case you didn't get that subtle product placement at the beginning there. Oh, is this product placement now? I think it always has been, but no one's actually sent us any beer yet. So sod them as well. We'll start Wonder. brewing our own. One day. Then who'll be laughing? Not many people. Especially not us. The Brewers. <laughs> what is that they've made? <laughs> they think they're going to compete with us. So yes, today we're doing the Aztecs, which is the sixth story. So that'll be interesting. What do we got? Yes. It's like the fifth one, but one more. Yes. <laughs> It's inspired. You should become a German brewmaster. Who says I'm not? Exactly. Man, passport says I'm not. And I like how they didn't actually know his name, they just know he's German. Mm. I reckon they've made Racism, it. racism was even going in 1899. Don't know his name, he's German. Oh, I know who he is. Yes. So why is this a Mexican beer? Is some German medic? Yeah, and he's just over there conquering... Uh, now I'm being racist. Um, <laughs> <laughs> Just before we get started, um, we've been watching Futurama recently, and there's been there's been a couple of uh, Fourth Doctor appearances in it. Yeah. yeah, he's not doing speaking; he's just been in the background. Or yeah, you know, like where's Tom Baker? Yes, that's what it's been like. They've all been fleeting appearances for like half a second or something, aren't they? In background, though. But oh, needless to say, we've noticed. Well, yeah, it's been good spotting. Yeah, it's been like that. Uh, where's Wally? Robot picture. There's like all different robots, and I'm sure there's about six Doctor Who robots in there. Although the Daleks in there are in there, and I'm not sure what that's about, because they're not bloody robots, as well they know. Mm. But anyway, not to go all fanboy on you. Uh, Will I get started then? May as well. May as well. There's no time like now. Unless you're the doctor and then you can go back in time. Mm. But not change it. So anyway, the Aztecs, which was apparently shown in May to June 1964. So even Saul was going back then. Episode 1 is called The Temple of Evil, or the one where Barbara gets drunk with power. The TARDIS arrives on Earth. What are the odds? Uh, in an Aztec temple, Barbara goes off on one of her history lectures while Susan reads cartoons. They leave the temple, a high priest Otlock spots them and is about to order her execution when he sees Barbara has nicked an Aztec bracelet, so naturally assumes she's the god Yataxa. They can't get back into the temple to get to the TARDIS and the priest assumes they're th that the rest of them are the servants of Barbara. Really? 
Is this the stupidest high priest ever? And he's the high priest of intelligence. Is he? Yes. Wow. Uh, Toxel, uh, the resident evil person, with a chicken on his head, hams it up for a bit while we learn they're waiting for it to rain. So want Barbara, also known as Yataxa, to help out. Latoxo decides that the Doctor can move freely and Ian will train to command their army. Are they that desperate? Ian is now named Ian by everyone for some reason and is told by his rival for command, Ixta, he needs to hold down the man to be sacrificed. Seriously, where do they get these names from? I'm sure they get 50 point words all the time at Scrabble. Meanwhile, the Doctor is in the Garden of Peace, putting his moves on Kamika, and Smooth talks her into talking with the son of the temple architect to get the TARDIS back. Barbara, for her part, has decided in her capacity as a god she can stop the sacrifices. Needless to say, the Doctor is thrilled at this and decides to help her. No wait, he's outraged. Live at the sacrifice, she commands no more killing after Susan has run in and ruined it. Even the victim is so annoyed he jumps off a building. Cue the reins. Glatoxo demands her death, but has to make do with her being taught stuff. All this finally shown to him that Yataxa is a false goddess, and he shall destroy her. Which brings us to episode 2, The Warriors of Death, also known as I Couldn't Be Bothered Thinking of an Episode Title. This starts with the Doctor not saying I told you so, but everything but. Barbara cries because she hasn't done that in a couple of stories, and the Doctor says, what's done is done. Yeah, it's only the entire Aztec civilization. Latoxo tries questioning Barbara, but that doesn't work, so he decides that Ian and Ixta shall fight. Ian, now dressed as a South American Robin Hood, defeats Ixta with a Vulcan nerve pinch. Latoxo is distraught, but the next perfect victim arrives, and all his requests must be granted. So Latoxo tricks him into requesting a rematch. Really, he can order anything and that's what he wants. Kamika, meanwhile, and the Doctor share some leaves, which makes the Doctor very happy. Latoxo, him again, who somehow is now giving orders to Barbara, now doesn't want her servant seeing her before Autobot, I mean Autlock, can question her. Kamika and Ixta meet. He's the son of the architect and agrees to meet the doctor. Susan is being taught Aztec ways and she's disgusted about being set up to marry someone she doesn't know. Beggars can't be choosers. The doctor and Ixta meet and Ixta is disguised as a tiger. Ixta says he'll get the architect's drawings in return for the doctor giving him a thorn to drain his opponent's strength. Ixta feels great. Toxel again, I just love saying his name. Ian agrees to fight Ixta at sunset without weapons. The doctor goes to see Barbara. Do! She tells him he's fucked up with the thorn and he goes to see Ian, but is arrested. Ian and Ixta fight. UFC this eight. Ian scratched just as the doctor warns him not to be. Barbara arrives and is taunted by Latoxo that if she is a god, then save Ian. Episode 3, The Bride of Sacrifice Barbara's solution is, shall we say, unique. She puts a knife to Latoxo's throat and the contest ends in a draw. Latoxo learns of Ixta's deal and decides to look into it further. Artlock and Barbara talk and he pleads that she not hide things from her or prove to be false. 
The Toxo visits the doctor in the garden, wanting to know why he wants the drawings. The doctor replies, if he helps him, he will find the truth. Ixta, meanwhile, gloats over Ian and now wants to be friends. What's that all about? I can never work that out. Anyway, Latoxo wants the drawings from him now, but they never existed. The cunning bastard. Latoxo plans to kill Barbara. If she lives, she's a god. If not, a mortal. He should become a witchfinder. The sly dog doctor meets Kamika again and insists they uh, take a cup of cocoa together. Latoxo brings a poison drink for Barbara, but having been warned by Ian, insists he drink first. He doesn't, and she admits to him privately that she would have died. After the doctor and Kamika share the drink, he is shocked to discover this means they're married now. Of course they are. Latoxo, never a man to give up, decides Barbara's weakness is her servants and Susan. The perfect victim decides he wants to marry Susan the result. Is it any wonder the Aztecs died out? Susan refuses and as such has broken the law. Kamika gives the doctor an icon from the tomb as a sign of their love and the doctor strings her along like he'll do with Rose in many, many years. The Toxo tells Barbara of Susan's transgression without mentioning who it is and the punishment is authorised. Ah, cunning. They're very cunning, these Aztecs. The doctor uses Kamika's icon to open the tomb. No, that's not a euphemism. Ian climbs in. Definitely not a euphemism. Ixta replaces the stone as the tunnel fills with water. Episode 4. The Day of Darkness. Last one. The doctor demands Ixta open it, but for some reason Ixta doesn't want to help Ian. But it's okay. Ian's found his way to the temple and tries to open the secret entrance. But he can't even open a polystyrene door without a pulley. He rigs this up and escapes, leaving a way back in. Susan is held prisoner by Exeter, who thinks Ian is dead, and promptly, who promptly then pops up and frees Susan. The TARDIS travellers attempt to escape, but the rope breaks. The Toxo has finally lost it, and orders Exeter to strike Otlock with Ian's club. Framing always works. Otlock, rubbing his head afterwards, declares Barbara a false goddess. Well, it only took four episodes. Meanwhile, the Doctor makes a giant Oriole. Thanks, Gav. Despite Barbara's pleading, Otlock wants nothing to do with her and saving Ian. Otlock gives Kamika his title to his dwellings to, to release Susan and makes his way to the wilderness away from people. Susan goes to the temple with Kamika while Ian goes off in search of Ixta. Kamika is given the short shrift by the Doctor as Susan and Barbara meet in the temple. Latoxo tries to kill Barbara again, but Ian stops him, and she runs to help the doctor and Susan open the tomb. Hey, it's an Ian and Ixta fight. That's never happened before. So they fight and Ixta falls to his death. Idiot. The TARDIS travellers open the tomb, and the sacrifice goes ahead as planned. Barbara whinges there's no point travelling in time if you can't change anything. Yeah, because there's nothing else good in it, is there? They escape from the TARDIS, and a quick change of clothes later, they've landed somewhere else. So, there we are. That is the Aztecs in a nutshell. Yes, if a the nut is a giant nut. <laughs> yes, it was a, thankfully a short one again. Yes, you wouldn't think. I, the, I think. Uh, I think that. Uh, <laughs> I think that summary was actually longer than the four episodes. Just a moment, but it was a good four episodes. Well, I think I mentioned before mm-hmm. before I watched it again. That it uh, is my favourite William Hartnell Doctor Who story. 
Mm. It does particularly stand out, I think. Yeah. It, it, well. and everyone well, has something to do yeah. as well. Yeah, they do. Uh, but, well, Susan doesn't much. Well, she did have two mm. uh, two weeks off in the middle of it. Yes. Which meant, uh, I think she had stuff, a couple of scenes filmed at, you know, whenever she wasn't off and then shoved into episode two and three. Yeah, they were apparently filmed as rehearsals during Keys of Marinus, were the scenes that they actually used. Uh, well, you can see they didn't rehearse during Keys of Marinus. So it's, uh, on previous viewings, I've never actually noticed before, but having noticed about it, it was a, a jarring, jumping sort of, quality and I could really sort of tell. Yeah, you can definitely tell it's on film rather than video. Mm. Well, yeah, it's a, a standout episode for Ian, for me. Is, uh, <coughs> well, Ian does have a few things to do, yes. I think this is possibly where I first started really liking Ian. This guy's quality. Although, I, I mean... He's he's a he's what a, a science teacher and now he's suddenly he's a master in physical combat. Yes, that, that sort of came out of nowhere. <laughs> yes, what what happened with that? <laughs> it's just some guy from the future, so of course he knows everything, including the latest martial arts techniques. Yeah. Oh dear. Well, that's why Ian's so good. He knows everything. No, that's the doctor you're thinking of. Ah, uh, Ian teaches it to him later. Does he? Yes. Really. He's I did a like teacher uh, after all. I did like the way everyone says his name as uh, Ian. I thought yes. that was actually a nice touch that uh, he, he said his name isn't was Ian, and everyone says, "Ah, well, Ian," because you know you wouldn't pronounce it mm. the way he does, everyone else does. Or, or unless you're being rather sarcastic about his name. Well, in that case, I shall always call him Ian. You do that. I shall. It shall not detract from his awesomeness. Yes, the doctor at one point says, uh, he, he's asked if he's a, a healer, and he says, no, I'm, I'm the doctor, I'm a scientist and engineer, a builder of things. So watch out for this whenever he uh, contradicts this in, in, in a while to come. Well, I think, though, that was more... So that to try and detract from the fact that he's an actual doctor as a healer in that sense, in that situation that he was in. It was trying to sort of move the focus somewhere else. Possibly. Um, may not actually be what he actually meant. Interesting. It is. I thought so. You don't know, because he, he said many things before that weren't actually true on people of technical It's just what he says to try and sort of convince people and control the situation. But then again, the acting is uh, so brilliant about then you don't know. <laughs> <laughs> and again, uh, William Hartnell in the very first episode barely got off the ground and he stumbles over his lines again. But that's good. It, yeah. it, it adds realism to it. Besides, oh, I, he's, I like he's, it, he's yeah. an old doctor. Yeah. It's a pity none of the other doctors made it to his age. <laughs> they all die... Within within a couple of months of regenerating, okay, a few years maybe. Yeah, but, uh, and this is uh, the first episode that's sort of dealt with altering the history of course. Yes. Or the course of history, whichever way you want to say. Uh, altering the course of history, of course. Yes. Ah, I 
can't miss the word out. <laughs> or sentence. Um, yes, because the doctor says <laughs> to, to her, you can't rewrite history, not one line. Mm. Which is interesting, Which, <clears throat> because when he's in present day, he's not worried about it. But when he's in the past, he is. So is he, is he worried about is he worried about him? And you know, one like late twentieth century, shall we say? I think the it, current series are. I'm talking about back then, like the nineteen sixties oh, yeah. or whatever. Um, so is the doctor worried about them changing? You know, history. Is he worried about the companions, or is it, or is it him? If he was by himself, would he worry about? You know, is, does he have a point in history that he, if he goes forward from that, is he worried about changing it? It sounded to me like it's just you can't change history. Simple as it's, it's not done. You can't do it. What happens if he goes to the year sixteen seventy on an alien planet? The rule still applies. <laughs> so he's never been to the past on an alien planet. So far. <laughs> Although I do get what they're saying, it's 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 a good thing, you know, that Barbara wants to stop them sacrificing, you know, killing people, and and her idealism, well, and then he's just like, "What are you doing, you stupid bitch?" Well, it's something to build on with the fixed periods of time, and things can be changed. Some can't. There are fixed points in history, and shit like that. Yeah, they do that in the new series. There are fixed points, yeah. and some of them aren't. They they sort of build. They sort of get that way, though. With the classic, in a se- in a sense. Well, yeah, but then they, but well, they sort of it's, stop. It's, they stop going back in history, sort mm-hmm. of. But uh, we've we've mentioned that before, anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and there was a apparently back in the day as well. There was a bit of controversy as well, saying that the costumes that they used they covered themselves up far too much. And what, they, they wanted to, they did that for 1960s sensibilities yeah yeah but uh, apparently they did sort of research them quite well out there and the costumes that they were are actually accurate representations of what they should have been wearing even though they do look ridiculous they do look quite ridiculous but maybe it was the fashion to look ridiculous back then well this was TV people wanted to see Aztecs running around in bikinis I think if you look at fashion these days it is quite ridiculous as well really isn't it mm. yeah yeah and uh, then towards the uh, end of the second episode I think uh, it was yeah yeah the second episode um, when Egan and Exeter were in the middle of the fight and then he says to her if you're a if you really are a god, then you can save them. Because she says to stop the fight. And he's like, Cliff Toxel, that is. Just thought I'd mention his name again. Yeah. Yes, uh, yes, pretty much even as a goddess, Bab is ignored. Yeah. Yeah, hi, yeah. <laughs> anyway, how's your beer then, Gav? It's an interesting beer. Interesting? Yeah. How interesting? I can feel my hangover coming on now. Well, it's a beer that I could think, you know, I am going to get a hangover over this. Interesting. It tastes musty. So you know what that could be? What? The fact that it's in a clear glass. Do tell, this sounds interesting. Well, it's apparently, sort of well known, apparently not, but uh, 
because it's in a clear glass, light gets through to it and it's known to affect the taste of beers. Which, amongst the many reasons why they put uh, lime in uh, drinks like these, is uh, it's one of my many reasons why... You don't tend to go for clear glass beers. No, it's why they actually put the lime in. Because it disguises the taste of the beer being actually sort of like the wind because of the sunlight. I can't actually see the best before date either from this. I mean, of the popular theories of why they put lime in the top, as uh, you mentioned in previous episodes, is to try and trap flies. Yes. And antiseptic. As I was thinking about it now, well, wouldn't my, do flies not like citric acid? Well, actually, the, the theory goes that it's better than uh, using uh, sort of like fly spray. It's, it works the same, but it tastes a bit better, and it's not like as... So like poisonous, uh, if you like, even though it's not poisonous. Mm. It's fly spray. But it isn't easy to drink beer, and it is smooth, apart from that. But, but yeah, it's uh, of the there's various other things, but I think because it is billed as a uh, sort of a refreshing and easy to drink beer, which whenever I hear that, I just hear tasteless. Yeah. Easy to drink is tasteless. But the only reason we're drinking this mm. is because it's from Mexico, mm. and the episode was set in Mexico. I just mm. thought that meshed mm. quite well. I'm not sure how it's going to work when we get to Scarrow again, but uh, <laughs> hopefully there is some Dalek beer out there. I, li- I would like to think that the Daleks do make beer. Well, yeah. Do you want to hear about other theories why they put lime in the top? Go on then, since you've researched this obviously. Yes, I have. Instead of doing work. But yeah, the other reasons is uh, as an, an antiseptic for like when they had the old metal bottle caps and it had a ring of rust you'd uh, rub it round to get rid of it and so that it as an antiseptic there's, there's no actual no one actually knows why then. the most outlandish claim is uh, is a barman in Mexico claimed he did it as a bet to see if he could get everybody to stick a lime in the top of their beer but apparently in Mexico nobody actually sticks lime in their beer they don't do it in Mexico, they look down on it and they only do it in places where there's uh, high American, so like tourist spots. Well, Mexicans actually look down on it, which for me I could believe that. indicates it's more of an Americanized sort of European Western type Same. sort of thing that they've done. I mean, because they used to ship it in crates full of like lime as well. Yeah. To make it look more aesthetic and. Maybe when it came over, people think you put it in there and it developed from there. But yeah, I think with the whole sunlight detracting uh, and spoiling the taste and everything, and it being a very weak tasting beer to start with, the lime adds a bit to it and detracts from the taste. I mean, they even do versions where they put the lime in and salt and they flavour it with it. Yes, I've seen those. But we, as uh, mentioned, I think it was the last time that we had, uh, or you had the uh, yeah, I had the beer Bex with the orange, <laughs> and it, yeah, I don't like the sound of it. Yeah, if a mm. beer doesn't, it's you know, if a beer isn't good without mm. yeah, extraneous fruits, yes. shall we say? <laughs> it's if not it's worth not good on its own merit, why are you bothering? 
Also, we should start a band called Extraneous Fruits. If only we could sing and or play instruments. Yes. Well, other than that, yeah, it's, it feels like it's trying to have a flavour, but it's failing. Are you Jilly Golden, though? Yes. No one will get that, but that's all right. Look it up. Mm. It's, we might it's have, not worth it. We might have a listener from England. Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Highly unlikely. We have any listeners. Anyway, back to the episode, mm. and in general, just for a second... Because th- I suddenly thought of this the other day. Um, right, before television, you had stage. Because mm. remember the other episode we did, uh, Keys of Marinus? Yes. And we had the, there was the stone statue. With the hands. With the, with the arms, with the, hands, the stone just, arms yeah. that grabbed Barbara, which were obviously just normal arms. Mm. And I was thinking, well, in the stage days, they would have done this and people would have just accepted it. And even back in the like the nineteen sixties, they would have accepted it. But nowadays, because of all the special effects and everything, we would like mm. if someone did that on a prime time show, we'd be like, "What the hell is going on here?" Mm. So what I'm saying, unless it's Garth Marenghi, unless it's Garth Marenghi, yeah. indeed. What I'm saying is, what what can we not use our imagination anymore? when watching TV or things like that. Is, is that changed? I mean, because, you know, yeah. we're, we're talking about polystyrene and doors there and walls and whatever. Can, I mean, was that fi- was that fine in the 60s for people watching it? They, they just accepted it? Or was it... was it must have that then, yeah. yeah. Or was it, I mean, surely we should be able to I mean, accept it nowadays. You know I mean, when when I was and I, growing, I'm talking up, to myself and you at the same time as but well. Growing up as a kid, stuff that I can laugh at now as being poor special effects. I remember as a kid looking at that looks so realistic. Yeah. Even in my own time frame, never, never mind back in sixties. So I'm sure, like back then, they must have. So I thought they're good special effects and they can get into it. Yeah, uh, having said but, that, but still looking back myself, I. I don't mind it. I, I can see the humorous side of the special effects in comparison to us, but it doesn't sort of detract from the story. I can't get into it because it doesn't look realistic. It doesn't take you out of the story, then? No. Hmm. Or at least I like to think it doesn't. Maybe I've got too high an opinion of myself. <laughs> well, we all know that. Comedy can't. I just thought that was interesting. For some reason I just started thinking of it. I don't know why. But I, I was like editing the last uh, last podcast and I suddenly thought of it. But yeah, I think it generally gets... The general populace seem to think that they, they, they can't do with the cheap or special effects of early days. And I think, you can, I think what really matters is the story and the plot. Mm. And probably what the thing is these days is there's... Not all the time... But at a few things, they substitute the story and plot for special effects. But that's hardly a new and shocking thing, is it? Well, yeah, a lot of people, especially only blockbusters, they get brought up on special effects being the be-all and end-all of films. Yeah. And they don't venture into 
reading books are where stuff where story is key and there's not much special effects. There's a lot of ignorance out there, I think. Do you want to start? Uh, no. Do you want to start getting rid of it? I think we should go now. No. We should stop this podcast and go now and get rid of the ignorance. Or we could just continue our discussion about uh, the episode. We'll drink away the ignorance. We'll drink away the ignorance. And the apocalypse. Will the robots allow us to drink? They're bloody well better, though. They're bloody well better, too. <laughs> what kind of accent was that? Anyway. <laughs> one thing I did like about this episode mm. was the Doctor and Kamika. And his mm. whole blossoming kind of romance thing. Yeah. Obviously, you know, he was fine with the romance. He didn't want to stick around. But... <laughs> <laughs> It was. It was just. It was just nice that he was given. He was off, you know, chatting to her while all the rest of them were getting into all kinds of problems. Yeah. Well, uh, it did seem to have sort of like abandonment issues towards the end. Well, yeah. He, he just uh, for him, it was like a four night and five day stand, mm. <laughs> and he just didn't want anything to do with her. Well, the TARDIS was well, too crowded as it was. Yes. Hopefully, he can get rid of some sort. Hopefully he can. I'm sure he's got a lot of Susan already. Susan's sticking around for a few anyway. Yes. Was it and towards... I can't remember. Was it the second episode as well? Or maybe the third? I can't remember. But uh, yeah, Babu was uh, defending Susan in one episode uh, against the crime she committed by saying that crimes committed in ignorance should not be punished. Which is a fine example to set to a society she's trying to improve. Be stupid, ignore stuff, and get away with stuff. Brilliant. Yeah, and it's interesting for that note you wrote ing- ignorance. Should I so, so I think you should be punished for that. <laughs> but I was ignorant of it. So, <laughs> you were ignorant. So. You were ignorant of your ignorance. Yes. <laughs> so I, I don't deserve to be punished. That's almost meta. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, but Barbara's going to say anything at that point. She's even going to say, I'm the goddess you tax on. And people will believe her, apparently. I don't know why. But she did get into it quite a bit. Yeah, and uh, a good old staple from the Doctor Who universe as well. Uh, once again, upholding this is- issue. This episode was uh, Platoxel, uh, the old hiding technique that basically involves just standing against a wall and nobody will notice you. Yes, but and what past but you? they did it a lot in this episode because the yes. doctor and Ian also hid behind like like this uh, stone thing, which was far smaller than they were, but no one saw them. It was like, no, these are the rules. You can't see me. Yes. I'm I'm still still against the wall. Walk past me. I'm around you. I'm not there. It's brilliant. It works in so many situations. Are, um, are they all dinosaurs that can't see you if you move? If you don't move, so... I don't know. And did, did dinosaurs see like that? I don't know. There's a joke that says that. So I, I believe jokes. Well, there we are. Well, if it's funny, it must be true. I believe someone said that once. They must have. Yeah, and the uh, during this story, they actually moved studios. Did you know that? No, I did not know that. Uh, and part of the Garden of Peace set was actually uh, just well, not destroyed, but damaged. So they had to hurriedly rebuild 
um, using part of the suit the set that they use for Susan's um, teaching in. So that was interesting because you didn't really notice it. No, I didn't notice any changes. So I thought that was quite good. Mm-hmm. And, and and the sets were all pretty good, even though it was obvious at some points that they were. Yeah, I, I was, the only thing that was I enjoyed the backdrops. Ob- yeah, the backdrops were nice. The only yeah. thing that was blatantly obvious was the difference in film and video. Yeah, where Susan was actually off yeah. that day, and they inserted the rehearsals from the previous episode, and the extern Ian fight, the last one, mm. the final reckoning. Yes, on, um, on a specially built set. That was a specially built set that would look, didn't look anything like where it was supposed to be. And uh, during the previous well, fight that uh, Ian was I think at, it was the previous, previous fight. No, the, yeah. the many there previous many fights. fights. <laughs> oh, it might have been just the previous fight. The one with the thorn, you mean? Yes, it was that one of my favourite moments there. Uh, Ian's busy fighting... What's his name? Ixter. Ixter. Everybody's got an X in the name. I can't remember. Kamika doesn't. Look, I've written these names it's 15 silent, times she's each. She's got a silent X. I fucking know them now. <laughs> now. If I play words with friends and Ixter or their Toxel doesn't work, I'll be bloody annoyed. <laughs> Is there that many X's in the game? <laughs> to type somebody's name out? That's to Toxel's Glexquill. <laughs> you're having a seizure. Yes, you were but, saying so. But yes, one of my favourite moments during that fight, Ian's quite doing well on his own against uh, Ixter, and the doctor runs up to him and basically says, don't let anyone distract you so they can scratch you. Oh, wait, I've just done that myself. <laughs> I think that's only fair, though, because if you remember the keys of Marinus, Susan was walking off over the ravine... You know, on the uh, on, on the bridge thing. Ah, yes. She was doing quite well on her own. Yes. And then suddenly Ian shouts out, Don't look down! And then she just suddenly started panicking. That wasn't Ian, that was a female, the other one, companion, that shouted that. Are you sure? I'm sure. Sorry, I get uh, Ian and a female mixed up all the time. Do not question me on Ian. <laughs> I'm pretty sure. But anyway... <laughs> What's your what's mm. your one of many Ian moments of the episode then? Uh, I think I will have to go with uh, during. Well, it wasn't quite the first fight, but when he first met Ixta and they're uh, sort of sizing each other up, and basically Ian says he can kill him with his thumb, and the conversation goes thusly: This is all I need to win a victory with your thumb. Needs magic. To know your enemy's weakness isn't magic, it's common sense. <laughs> what weakness have I that is vulnerable to your thumb? You'll be surprised. Oh, I won't kill you this time. Not this time, Ixter. You mock the arts of war. I defy you to harm me. Pick up your club. The Vulcan nerve pinch. The Vulcan nerve pinch. Interesting, yes. And yours? Uh, and mine is Ian again, but he's talking with the doctor, uh, and the doctor's just sort of uh, nonchalantly telling him that uh, he, he got married today. 
and I just quite like the way the conversation went. And it also went thusly. Death came out of the tomb, and the man who discovered it later disappeared in the garden. And on the wall there's a stone with the taxa's sign on it. You mean there's a tunnel from there to the tomb? Yes, that's what I suspect. Where did you get hold of this? My fiancé. I see. Oh, what? Yes, I made some cocoa and got engaged. <laughs> oh, don't giggle, my boy. It's neither here nor there. We must find that tunnel tonight. Yes, all right. Now, I'll wait for you in the garden, and when Ixter's asleep, you come out. Yes, I will, all right. Oh, by the way, Doctor, congratulations. <laughs> it was a beautifully delivered conversation. Unlike that sentence I just said. <laughs> Quite. So what are your final thoughts of the of the story today? Yeah, it's one of the more memorable episodes of uh, the first Doctor's Run. It's quite good, there's plenty of action in it. Yeah, and, and it's quite good. Yeah. Everyone yeah. has, as I said, everyone has something to do. I still mm, like it. More or less, yeah. I would still Apart say it's the best one so far. Susan's pretty much in the background, but all the rest of them. Well, even she has something to do. She yeah. even had an episode named after her. Well, she, she pops up like in the background and says you've got to get married at some point and then she disappears and, but apart from that so, yeah I think it is the best one so far if we're just talking the edge of destruction. if we're talking <laughs> getting drunk and wanting a battery in the same episode edge of destruction <laughs> is your man but I do think uh, this is a good solid mm. episode it is a good solid episode. By which I mean it's comprised of a good solid four episodes. Yeah. It didn't feel quite as dragged out as it normally does. Certainly. So, uh, moving on, we, as a surprise, actually have some questions this week. Yes, we do. Um, who's our first question from, then, Uh Our first one will be from uh, Dan Filmos. Okay, do you want to read that one out? With your exciting voice. Twitter uh, friend. I think you're going to say Twitter. I wouldn't say Twitter apart from that. Okay, carry on. But uh, the uh, question goes thusly. (laughs) Everything goes thusly today, doesn't it? I'm glad thusly doesn't have X's in it, but carry on. Uh, Dear Gav and Gav, I wonder who's who. It's been well documented that the Doctor doesn't like guns, etc. But I still think that underneath the Gallifrey exterior is a violent soul waiting to get out. Out of all the Doctors, I think the Ninth Doctor is the most willing to do some violence, mainly because he's uh, crazy as a lion after the Great Time War. Which Doctor do you think is more prone to violence? Great podcast, keep up the good work. Loyal companion of the Seventh Doctor, Dan Film Moss. Well, I just want to say at this point, <coughs> I I am just impressed that you're a loyal companion of the Seventh Doctor because he's my favourite as well. So keep up the good work. Uh, the Seventh Doctor, I wouldn't say would be prone to violence. He would be prone to getting other people to do violence, but he wouldn't do it himself. Um, seventh Doctor, no. I would he say. Is. He did I would say the ninth himself. Yeah. I know, but oh, I was just talking about the seventh. Oh, yeah. um, the ninth, 
No, I don't think so. Uh-huh. I think myself, and I'm sure you may agree, I'm not sure, the uh, sixth doctor, who's a bit nuts himself. Yes, he's... I, w- I would sort of agree to a point, yes. I think he's certainly up there as a contender. Although the third yeah. doctor in his Venusian uh, karate is, is always yes, good for I, violence. I, I would say, yes, the, the third doctor was always uh, getting... In the thick of it. Getting in there. Yes. He wasn't afraid of the violence. Yeah. But then, Um, as you say... Actually, I think the the third Doctor... I think the third Doctor, definitely. The sixth Doctor, I don't think he was violent. I think he just... It just... Well, he was just—he yeah. was violent in his first episode mm-hmm. and his craziness. Yeah. But uh, I think most more. I more think he, most he, of the had time. The, he had more tendency to, to become violent. So he got angry quite easy. Yes. And I thought it, it was likely to go that way, but the third Doctor sort of regularly did sort of hit out with violence, if you like. Yeah. The third Doctor just went for violence, no matter what mood he was in, really. With his, yeah, he just always with his Venusian karate and his mm. and his and his chops and his kicks and all the time. Can't wait till we get to him in twenty twenty two. It could be argued that it was more of a self defense thing, but I don't know. But I'd, yeah, I'd, I'd go with third Doctor. What do you think of the ninth Doctor? I can't see him being prone to violence. No, I can't. Is that? I know the whole Dalek thing, and he wasn't really prone to be being violent with the, with the Dalek. No, none more so than any other Doctor, I don't think, is that? He still had his contempt for the Daleks that the other Doctors and that the other Doctors had. Yeah. So, sorry yeah. to disagree with you, Dan, but uh, if, if you feel differently, give us some reasons why. We, we'd love to hear from you. Hmm? And, uh, and surprisingly, we also have another question. Surprisingly, yes. Mm-hmm. Uh, too drunk and time travel. You mentioned that Doctor Who hasn't really featured any purely historical stories in a long time. Are there any historical events that haven't been seen that you think would make a good Doctor Who story? And that's from Stephen in Ireland. Well, well off the top of my head, uh-huh. I would like to see the Doctor go to see the Vikings oh yes you know I don't know in Scandinavia or on a Viking vessel or even in you know in Britain while it's while it's going on I just think yeah. I just think the Vikings are quite interesting you know it'd be interesting to see what happened although yeah, we did that, say that events would be an interesting mix, yeah. so I don't know Lindisfarne being desecrated by the Vikings that would be interesting mm. Yeah, I haven't thought about that. I think it will be good, yeah. Although the upcoming time meddler is stuff to do with the Vikings. Very, very scant, shall we say. Yeah. Secondly, oh, oh mm-hmm. I'll let you go with one, actually, sorry. But yeah, I was thinking about this and uh, being a man of science myself. <laughs> what are you laughing at? <laughs> yes. Science, yes. Yes. I thought Drunken it would be or. interesting to see about the so like, the, what? the invention of the int- atomic bomb and with uh, Einstein and that. And then I also remember Oppenheimer. 
But then I also remember that was sort of an idea that Matt Smith pitched as well. Oh, you're just like Matt Smith. Yeah. <laughs> well, he didn't actually pitch, but they were they were actually stories that he wrote as he was researching the Doctor. For yes, he, he wrote a story where the Doctor meets Albert Einstein. Mm. But yeah, I thought that would be an interesting... It could uh, be interesting, the Doctor meets Albert Einstein. But not specifically meeting Albert Einstein, the... Well, that as well, but... Any, science, any, any scientist, that would be good, actually. You know, even the Curies or, you know, anything like that. Yeah, or going back to the old days where they uh, invented stuff and things. Brilliant. <laughs> well, I would just like to add... The Greeks, I mean. Oh, the Greeks, that would be yeah. good. Wow, that's a good idea, actually. I was going to add the in- ancient Egypt. Oh, yeah. Like he's, he's never been to the Roman... Well, actually, he has. <laughs> the upcoming Romans. <laughs> <laughs> but that's more of a comedy. But we'll get to that soon uh, enough. Yeah, that's like Benny Hill stuff, huh? Yeah. It's... C- yeah, well, we'll, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll get to, to we'll, we'll discuss that at the time. <laughs> and now everyone who's listening has the Benny Hill theme tune in their head. So, yeah, yeah. next time. Yes, uh, this will be me. Uh, or is that you doing it? I think it's me. Yes, I'll be doing the Sensorites. That's a six-part one, isn't it? Uh, is it six parts? I think it's six parts. Yeah, I'll be doing the Sensorites next. And I've also updated the schedule page on the website. Yes, so you'll be able to see when we're actually doing the rooms. Yes. Uh, not literally, of course, but we're, we're reviewing the uh, episode. We're not yeah. doing the rooms. <laughs> that could it's, take some time. It's, it's not that much like uh, Benny Hill. Anyway, Rory's a Roman and he wouldn't want anyone to do but it. Yes, there's all the First Doctor episodes listed. Uh, proposed time, uh, well, dates, not time, but dates when they'll, when they'll be shown and who's currently pending for doing the synopsis. Yes, so you can avoid my ones if you want. Yes, and mine, so that's... Uh, you can avoid them all. See how want. good we are to you. Yes. So, uh, as yes. ever, yes. Yeah. Uh, you can uh, contact us on email for any questions. What's the email address, Gav? Which is drunkentimetravel at gmail.com. Okay. Is there any other way they can contact us? Yes, there is a new Twitter account for Drunken Time Travel. And what's that called, Which Gav? is confusingly called Drunk Time Travel. At Drunk Time at Travel. At Drunk Time Travel. But... The reason is because oh, Twitter, the bastards, won't yes. allow anything more than 15 characters. Uh, ah, yes, and we're also available on iTunes. Yes, we've uh, recently put the feed up on iTunes and uh, it's accepted. The URL for that is complicated, so I'm not going to say that. Well, I believe you can just search for it. Yes. And if you don't have iTunes, who can blame you? But you can get it, as usual, at drunkentimetravel.com. Yes, there's uh, feed links for both on the website. Excellent. So, is there anything else for this episode? Uh, yes. Oh, good. Yeah. I like stuff. No. No, there isn't. No. Oh, you were just you were just pretending. Yeah. What happens if they were actually wanting more stuff, and you were just, you just pretended there was more stuff, and now there's not? I have played with their emotions, and I will leave happy. 
You don't know what emotions are, do you? Yeah. No. I'll t- I'll, I'll, I like to pretend. You like to pretend. I Shall know, we... Uh, yeah. Well, that's it, isn't it? Yes. Do you want to get more beer then? Yes. Right. I I want my... I finish this. There you go. Uh, no, I don't. There you go. Finish it now. Good. He's finished now. I have now finished this. So, it's uh, goodbye from me. It's goodbye from me. And it's goodbye from me.